The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms Friday, your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and live around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Happy Friday the 13th. I mean, the day, I mean, it just... We're, you know, okay, so bad enough that it's Friday the 13th. Um, Friday the 13th. Then it's Friday the 13th in October. Um, so that'd be that, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th in October. And then on top of everything else, um, it is uh, Friday the 13th in October on a day that, um, the terrorist organization Hamas has called for a global day of jihad. And so, I mean, it's like the perfect confluence of events. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a mystery wrapped up in an enigma, surrounded by. A, I mean, it's just oof, man. Today of all days is the day that you go forth armed, just because, just in case. Just you have no idea what's happening, um, but you should be, again, paying very close attention to what's going on around you. Eyes wide open, situational awareness, everything else. Do I think anything, excuse me, do I think anything's going to happen here in little old Alaska? Probably not. But, uh, you know, of any, if, if it was any day that you should be paying attention to your surroundings and what's going on, Probably today would be the day. Just saying. Just, just saying. So Firearms Friday, of course, is that one day a week that we dedicate to the Second Amendment, to discussions on gun rights, firearms laws, um, just anything related to the Second Amendment uh, and, uh, and and all the stuff that surrounds it. So it's uh, it's just, you know, one of those things. It's what we do. It's what we do every Friday. We try to demystify the firearm, you know, because I, here's the thing. Um, and, and quite honestly, this is uh, the genesis of where Firearms Friday, um, uh, w- you know, where Firearms Friday came from. I was looking for a way to educate people because, I mean, I just got <clears throat> I just got so sick and tired of watching the news and seeing the 
you know, the misinformation, uh, I don't necessarily think a lot of times intentionally. Um, I just think it was, there's a lot of ignorant people out there who basically, um, you know, spout off, especially the talking heads on television, uh, about firearms and, and talking. They're basically speaking a lot of times just out of a place of ignorance. They have no idea really what they're talking about, but they feel like they have to say something about it. And so we've seen a lot, a lot of misinformation be repeated and parroted by talking heads in the news media and other people. And that was kind of the whole point of what Firearms Friday, why it came into being and why it was uh, important for me to try and distill all this down into, uh, you know, into, uh, uh, into a single day. Because, you know, firearms are an integral part of who we are as Americans. I mean, we're the only country in the world where the right to keep and bear arms, the right to self-defense, the right uh, of people to have self-determination and self-protection is literally enshrined in the foundational documents of of the country. Uh, we're, I mean, we're going to talk a little today about Israel and what happened in Israel last weekend. And while Israel is a great country, and, uh, you know, I mean, great people, good, you know, great country, don't always agree, obviously, with everything that they do. But, you know, it is a <clears throat> it is a free nation under siege. Um, they uh, are not a free country when it comes to the right to self-defense. Um, you know, we've heard good things about armed Israeli citizens doing things like that, but it seems to be all in, um, <laughs> it seems to be all in spite of the fairly strict laws in Israel over firearms, which I think we've seen in this last uh, week has been counterproductive for the protections of average, honest, law-abiding citizens. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. Um, the problem with firearms in America, well, anywhere in the world, really, but what I've seen, especially over the last 30 years, is the demonization and the anthropomorphizing of the firearm in the public eye um, through things like entertainment, movies, television, uh, again, the news media and the talking heads there. Um, it is, uh, you know, I remember seeing it as far back as, and, and again, appreciating even as young as I was, the irony of that situation when I was watching the lethal weapon movies. Um, well, when, when was the second lethal... Weapon 2, 1989. I remember watching this movie, and uh, if you if you recall if you recall that movie, it's uh, the one with uh, it's the one with Joe Pesci in it, right? And I still remember with stark clarity this scene in the movie where they're standing around in the uh, in the police department. And it's like the bullpit of the police department. And from every angle, <clears throat> every time they'd shoot one actor or another actor, somewhere in the background was a poster vilifying 
the NRA and guns. Now, if <laughs> if you want to talk about the uh, if you want to talk about the absolute hypocrisy of Richard Donner and company. Was it Silverstein and Donner? I, I should just close the window. I can't look at Hooper. The, I mean, it was Harvey Silverstein. First of all, that's a, there's some serious, there's some serious deep irony there. Um, <clears throat> uh, nope, just Richard, apparently just Richard Donner. Anyway, the, the hypocrisy of the movie in the fact that you have this, uh, this franchise <clears throat> that is making the money, making all their money in the glorification of gun violence, right? I mean, Riggs and Murtaugh involved in a shootout every five seconds with somebody else and crazy police behavior um, and everything else. The fact that they are making their whole buck on, you know, shoot 'em ups and gang violence or, or uh, uh, shoot 'em ups. Bad police behavior because they're also glorifying throwing procedure out the window and just doing it, just going and killing people and doing all this kind of stuff. And the fact that they are making all their money in that way and, and showing that. But in the middle of the movie, they show posters from every angle vilifying American citizens for daring to be armed. For daring to give money to their organization that would, uh, the gun rights organization that would, you know, defend their right to keep and bear arms. To show that. I mean, I, this was 19, I'm just two years out of high school, okay? And I understood the absolute hypocrisy of that at that time. And, I mean, I'm just flabbergasted that this is going on. That's one of my earliest recognitions of the ignorance and the hypocrisy of uh, the entertainment industry against gun rights. I've been interested in firearms since I was very, very young. Um, and so when I started seeing these things and I started going, wow, that it's so for 40 years and it's just gotten worse. It's just gotten worse, culminating with talking heads like Greg Jarrett and others at Fox News of all. That's when I realized that Fox was. I mean, I'd had my some serious doubts about Fox News for a while, but after the Sutherland Springs shooting in Texas, where the um, where the shooter was stopped by another law-abiding citizen um, with an AR-15, and Greg Jarrett got on there as a talking head on Fox and started blathering on about how all he had to do was basically push a button on the AR-15 and turn it into a full-auto machine gun. I mean, he obviously had just no no idea what he was talking about but they're touting him up there like he's some kind of expert on this that's when i realized that my suspicions about fox news being just another part of the same blathering idiots as everybody else was confirmed and so i'm just i'm giving you this whole backstory because this is this is why we do firearms friday because guns are scary people have been taught to be afraid of guns as if somehow, if you lay a gun on a table, it will just magically get up and leap up and kill everybody in the neighborhood. I mean, I will guarantee you that if you laid a gun on a table and walked away, 
as long as nobody breaks into your house or anybody else moves it all by itself, it will sit there until the whole thing just the whole house just crumbles down around it. It's not going to do a single thing. It requires a person to do it. That's how they got the, uh, uh, that's how they get you on the anthropomorphizing. They turn anthropomorph as anthropomorphizing means to give human characteristics to an inanimate object or to an animal or something like that. Treat them like, so that's how they're doing it. The gun is the perpetrator. The gun is the evil, you know, and you, how many times have you heard that? You know, when some thug breaks into a house and gets killed by the homeowner because he he was a home invader. He broke into a house to rape, rob, or steal, whatever he was doing. He gets killed by the homeowner. And the local news media, of course, goes out and interviews the parents of young, young Johnny the Thug. And she starts wailing, he was such a good boy until he got a hold of that gun and then that gun just turned him evil he was such a he was an angel he was a valedictorian and high school president and, I mean, which of course is never true but he was a good boy and it was just the gun that turned him bad just the gun that turned him bad no no that's not it again power corrupts Firearm is a tool. It's a powerful tool. And some people, when you give them power, when you place the power of life and death in their hands, it fundamentally brings out the worst elements of their character. If they could oppress those less powerful, if they could take what they want um, at, you know, at the point of a gun or the tip of a knife or the, or the edge of a machete, they will do it because that is an inherent care. There's an inherent flaw in their character. All, all they're doing is just bringing it out. It's not the gun. It's the person, you know, it's the person. And so we've been taught over the course of years that do we have to fear? We have to fear. We have to be scared. I mean, I remember teaching a class one time, firearms safety class and um had an empty revolver were laid on the table in front of the students and i said you know we should pick these up and you know here we're going to show you how to pick it up we're going to show you how to hold it we're going to show you how to make sure you know show you the different components and how it's unloaded and everything else and this woman sitting with her husband when i said go ahead pick it up she just burst into tears. I mean, just literally had a meltdown right on the spot. She was that scared. She was terrified of an empty piece of metal sitting in front of her. Very visibly empty, by the way. It's a revolver. Loading gate open, the whole thing. And it, it, that, that, to me, just summed up the whole thing nicely. This is what we faced for years is a populace that has been indoctrinated to believe that these are the scariest, most dangerous things on the planet. You know, we'll think nothing about using a, a blender or garbage disposal or some other bladed, a table saw. But boy, I tell you what, you put a gun down and they think, whoa, and they lose their mind. 
So that's why we've started because because ignorance breeds fear. And what we're trying to do is to clear up that ignorance. Because if you don't, if you if you're not ignorant, if you understand and know what it takes, if you know how to use something, a tool, then it doesn't become fearful. And we'll talk about some analogies on that on the other side. And we're going to talk about what's going on in Israel. And we're going to talk about some of the other stuff that's happening around the country and more. Must be Firearms Friday. That was the fastest segment I can remember. I just started talking like a minute ago. We're going to be back. Um, Back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, let me see what's going on here. Any spare howitzers out there? Asked Greg. Bill's like, where'd I put the machete? Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Stay frosty, folks, says Greg. Carry back up until this craziness subsides. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if this craziness will subside. It just seems like it's a ratcheting amount of tension over and over and over. Um, I said, I don't think Alaska is going to be a problem. And Jeannie says she thinks Anchorage is a target. Well, good thing I'm working from home today, huh? Good thing I'm working from home. Donna Donna says it's a good day to carry. Every day. Oh, Bill says that too. Every day is a good game. Well, it's great minds think alike. Bill says it, then Greg says it, and then, of course, I said it. Every day is a good day to carry. Every day. Um, Jeannie says, if you live in Alaska and you don't carry, I'm like, what are you thinking? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What are you thinking? Um. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, Black Rifle Coffee commercial about the assault pillow. Oh, I haven't watched. I haven't seen uh, some of the. I I haven't. I haven't seen a a good Black Rifle Coffee company ad in a while. And you should go back and watch that one. Um, (laughs) Anthony said, in regards to the Johnny the Thug, you know, going into the house and and getting getting shot. She said, everybody's a good boy till they take two to the chest in someone's living room. Just saying. Yeah. I mean, if you're breaking into somebody's house and you are armed, I don't care how good you thought Johnny was. Johnny's a thug. Okay. That's just, that's just how it, that's just how it works. Brian said he had a TSA. What is it about Nevada? Brian says he had a TSA agent nearly respond in the same way. We were talking about the woman uh, falling apart when I said, just pick the gun up. 
Um, he said, respond in the same way when I was checking pistols at Las Vegas. I had the same thing. I came back from a rifle course that I took at Front Sight, and I actually drove to Henderson because I couldn't get a good flight out of Las Vegas. So I drove the 70 miles or whatever it was over to Henderson and or Flagstaff, Henderson, or whatever airport. It was a tiny little airport, smaller than Fairbanks Airport. And I had a rifle case, you know, all geared up and all that. And boy, I tell you what, there was, when I went to say, I said, I need you guys to TSA check this. I need you guys to do the whole thing. And I had like four ladies standing around in TSA uniforms looking at it. And I'm like, okay, open it up. Is it here, here, here? And they're just like, they were all just, ah. Finally, this one older gentleman in a TSA outfit, he goes, because these girls are just freaking out. They have no idea what to do. Well, I just don't know. I'm like, this is compliant. This whole thing is compliant. I flew down here with this. This is compliant. And so finally, after about three or four minutes of this, just kind of nervous looking, this guy walks up and goes, oh, no, it's fine. Turns around a while and I'm just like, oh, my God. What is it about the Nevada agents at the TSA? Um. Uh, I've been noticing a surprising number of mess leaking in at the border are military-aged men, and they don't appear to be of South American descent, says Richard. You know, it's been interesting. Have you been following what's been going on in Greece and the Mediterranean? There's that one island off the coast of Gr- uh, Greece or Italy. I guess it's Italy, where it's just a little tourist island, population of 6,000 or something, and it's just a tourist destination. And they got invaded. You've seen the videos, I'm sure. They're all over the place. Of these boats just popping up and dropping these African uh, Africans off. And uh, they've got like nearly 20,000 migrants on the island now. But you know what's most interesting? Most of these people are well-dressed. They have cell phones. And they're all military-aged single men. There's no children. There's no women. There's no, you know... If that doesn't look suspicious, I don't know what does. It's some crazy stuff there. And, of course, those folks have no way to defend themselves because you. All right, uh, let's continue. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider The Michael Dukes Show Assault Radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. That's right. It is uh, Firearms Friday. And I've got a variety of stories related to guns and Second Amendment and firearms laws and news and everything else. But I also have a telephone. I have a pen and I have a phone. I don't know what I'm going to do with this pen, but I'm going to take your phone calls with the telephone. Uh, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off. I would love to hear from you today. Any topic is fair. I mean, if you want to talk about your most egregious incident, um, like my my Greg Jarrett incident on Fox News, if you want to tell me when your eyes were opened wide and you realized that none of the news media, none of the news media outlets knew what they were talking about when it came to firearms 
laws, rules, specifics on firearms, the mechanics of firearms. You know, if, if you want to tell me when you went that that when you had that aha moment of ain't nobody telling the truth, ain't nobody telling the truth on any of this stuff. Um, I would love to hear from you. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Feel free to call in, ask any questions, talk about whatever we want to talk about as long as it's firearms related. Um, we're good to go. Uh, back to the story that I was just saying a, a minute ago before we went to break about, you know, again, trying to demystify this woman having a meltdown when I tried to show her of an empty firearm and everything else. And I always liken it to, um, you know, to this thing about education, you know, that that ignorance uh, breeds fear. Right. But uh, when you. <laughs> There's a flip side. There's a flip side to that coin. When you become so used to something that you become inured and you forget the safety laws and things like that, and you become complacent, you know, so familiarity, ignorance breeds fear, familiarity can breed complacency. So we got to walk that middle line on those things. We don't want to be ignorant, so ignorant that we don't know anything about it. We live in the fearful, but we don't want to become so familiar and comfortable with it that we become complacent and lax with things like the four laws of gun safety, right? And and everything like that, because that's when bad things can happen. That's when dangerous things can happen. But I, I also always liken it to something like, you know, if you had somebody coming over to your house and... You know, you're just out back and, and uh, you know, say you're bucking up firewood and this person is a friend and you're showing them around the house and showing them what you're doing. And uh, and they're like, well, you know, what you doing? Well, I'm just I'm just bucking up some firewood for the winter. You know, and you got your sawhorses and your and your crib set up and you're just you're sawing logs down to length, you know, fireplace length logs or whatever. You're just not going to turn around and hand your friend a running chainsaw and say, hey, you give it a try. You know, because, again. A chainsaw is a tool, but it is a dangerous tool. You know, now, if you sat down and give gave that person a 30-minute course on how to run the chainsaw, you know, all the practicals, and you gave them the safety equipment, and, you know, you ran them through the pros and cons and different techniques and upcuts, crosscuts, you know, every all the different things, if you did all that, then you handed them the chainsaw and supervised it. Well, guess what? They'd probably feel, and you let them run it for, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. They'd probably feel pretty good about it. And within just a few hours of operating it, they could become very proficient with a chainsaw or a skill saw or fill in the blank, a, tr a, power, tr a power pruner, a power tree trimmer, whatever it is. That's the thing. These, all these are just tools that need a minute amount of instruction and care and always reminding yourself in the back of your mind that these tools can be dangerous and, you know, you need to pay proper attention. You know, where, where are all your fingers? Where is your leg when you're cutting that log? Are you, is your stance right? If the, if the blade goes through the, the log too fast, is your leg in the way? I mean, you know, you're, you should always be thinking about that kind of stuff. Same thing with a firearm. The problem is, is that we've created the ultimate boogeyman in many people's mind, and they are just absolutely terrified of the one thing that could protect them 
um, and especially for women. This is what blows my mind. <clears throat> I haven't even gotten to the news stories yet. This is, hey, it's happy Friday. But especially the women. Because, ladies, if you want to know what... You know what the you know what the greatest equalizer on the face of the earth is? I mean, if you're about women's liberation, if you're about women's freedom and equality, you know what the greatest equalizer on the planet is? A firearm. A firearm. That is the greatest equalizer for, you know, an unaccompanied young petite female uh, that it, that is available in the world today. I'm a big guy. I'm almost six foot. I'm broad. I'm b- b- bulky, a little beefy. And if I, you know, came across some hundred pound young woman, what do you think? I mean, if you were going to lay money, who do you think would win that? That if there was a physical confrontation, who would win that? Right. Now, picture that young woman armed, and I'm not, or maybe even I am armed. Who's going to win? Well, now it's a question mark. If I'm unarmed, it's not a question mark, because if she's proficient and has been, you know, has some training and has learned on that, now it's not. It is the greatest equalizer in the world. You're right. A genie just, it's the old quote, God made man, Samuel Colt made them equal. God made all men, Samuel Colt made them all equal. But it could be God made all men and women, Samuel Colt made them equal. That's the exact truth. Because it doesn't matter if you're a 300-pound guy or a 96-pound woman of 4 feet 8 inches. If you can wield a firearm, you have the equal amount of protection and power at distance. And uh, and that's just the thing that I, I don't understand why the women's liberation movement and the, and the women's equality movement is not out there beating the drum on that day in and day out. Because they're doing a disservice to their fellow women. In fact, many of these organizations are, in fact, anti-gun. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you want to restrict the ability to be on equal footing in a physical or violent altercation? Why would you want to do that? I mean, it's just it's it's insane. All right, we we gotta. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, people are starting to comment on the things when their eyes were open to the uh, uh, to the news media. Jeffrey says an idiot news reporter on the East Coast a few years ago reported the increase in deer vehicle strikes was due to hunters chasing deer out of the woods. Not the truth about the deer population increasing and also failed to mention that the rut growing on at the time of that report. What an idiot expert, quote unquote. Yes, exactly. Oh, it has to be the hunters running out of the woods, not the fact that the deer population has exploded and there's X number more percentage of deer out there. It must be because the hunters chase them out of the woods. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy, crazy. 
Cindy said, I put our girls through a teen shooting class. I considered it like learning how to cook. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? And, and fathers, why wouldn't you teach your daughters about firearms? If you want them to be protected, if you want them to have the, you know, if you want them to have the, uh, the the ability to protect themselves on a, on almost equal footing. Why wouldn't you do that? You know. And why would these organizations be so adamantly opposed to women being able to defend themselves, especially since they're women empowerment organizations? I you know, you know, can can just crazy. Donna says her aha moment was the many confused discussions on bump stocks after the Vegas shooter. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of confusion going on after that, a lot of misinformation. And people to this day still don't understand exactly what was going on there. I don't think I think people who were making the laws didn't really understand what was going on there. Um, it's it's insane. It's absolutely crazy. All right. Well, the phone lines remain open. 907-433-3150. I'm already up to the other. <laughs> I'm already up to the next break. And I haven't I haven't gotten into my first news story of the day yet. Wow. It's Friday. Stand by for news. As my old friend Paul used to say, we're going to be back with more. And we're going to continue this in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, free-packing radio. You're, you're packing, right? It is Friday the 13th, after all. Is it a full moon and Friday the 13th in October on the day that they're calling for global jihad? Wow. I mean, could we throw something else in there? Was a white cow born this morning or a two-headed goat? I mean, what other kind of signs of the apocalypse can we throw out there? You better go forth armed today. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. the show you can listen to it on your time with dukes on demand oh and it's free like america used to be streaming live every weekday morning on facebook live and michaeldukesshow.com oh wow i should just shut up and stop talking how did we get to I haven't even broke into the. I got a whole slew of news stories here. Haven't even broken into them yet. Um. Oh man, Sean, they hid your they hid your comment because you used the guns in it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm always shocked that I don't come back after Friday and found that I've got some kind of community strike against my page because I did another Firearms Friday show. When all I'm trying to do is demystify and explain things and talk about news stories and do all this kind of stuff, I just keep waiting for them to ding my account because I talked about guns again. 
you know, I mean, I stopped putting Firearms Friday in the headline of the of the video um, because people weren't getting notifications. It's like they'd turn notifications off. You know, I'd start the show, there'd be three people watching instead of 20 or 30 to begin with because I put fire. I'm sure most of them were like, I didn't even get the notification. I had to come find you. So I stopped putting the word firearm or gun in my headline or in the body of the description of the video because, you know, what what are you going to do? You can't, you know, they just, they're going to come around and get you. Going to come around to get you. Um, okay. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Looking to find a a self-defense class for daughter two. Any experience with Lona in Anchorage? No, I... I've never even heard of Lona. I mean, not that, you know, not that that's shocking. I just, I've never heard of it. You quit talking. You can't do that. It's your job. Well, that's true. That's true. But I, I could get back on track. I mean, I'm just, sometimes I just, especially on Fridays, I can get on a ramble. I can get on a ramble. Yeah. Um, Brian, I would agree with Greg. You just go talk to uh, Donna. Anthony over a point blank. She's got she's got all kinds of different classes. Uh, in fact, if you wait until the first week in December, December first, I'm sure we will have some self some uh, personal uh, basic pistol and concealed carry classes uh, up. And and she has she has women only classes too. She has the ability that it could be a all women pistol class. So, so nobody feels intimidated or anything. Uh, and those certificates will be half price on the holiday auction, which will be on December the 1st. So if you can wait a little bit, you can get that for half price. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal. All right, let me go over to the phones. Somebody is tied in here. Let's, uh, let's call in. Let's see what they have to say. We'll get the name, number, the whole schlemiel. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I actually have to push the button so that I can hear you because I'm an idiot. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. It's Fred. How you been? Hey, Fred. How are you, my friend? How's uh, how's things in sunny R.I. today? Well, you know, just another day in paradise over here. Yeah. All right. Well, we're in the break, Fred, and I'm about a minute and a half away, so I'm going to put you back on hold, and you'll be first up in the queue. I won't even I won't even blather on about anything else or do a news story. So you're going to be first up. So don't uh, don't go anywhere. Operators are standing by. All right, it's Friday, man. I just I feel I feel pretty good. It was a it was an interesting week. Let's just put it that way. Interesting interesting week with lots of stuff going on. And I'll be honest with you, I'm ready for the weekend. And then next weekend, we're going to be in Fairbanks for the Go Winter Expo. We got the big Interior Alaska Gun Show and the Go Winter Expo next week. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Sling blade, sling blade. 
All right. Uh, the TVSA gun show is this weekend. The high school rifle team selling snacks for fundraising, says Jeffrey. Thank you. I will make a note of it. All right. Uh, 25 seconds. No, sorry. I apologize. 40 seconds out right now. We'll hear the ding here in just a second. We'll be ready to go. Sean says, can you have, um, uh, can you have Donna on fire on the Friday show? Says Sean. Yes, I've had Donna Anthony on this show several times. Um, she is a great, uh, she's a great, uh, guest on that. But it's like voting, MD. You have an obligation to inform yourself and invite a friend to Firearms Friday. Well, that is true. You should invite more people to Firearms Friday, Brian. All of you should invite more people to Firearms Friday. Let's get more neophytes, more of the gun curious into this thing. What holiday auction? How do I find that? Uh, go to alaskaradioauction.com and you can find out more. Here we go. What the hell is an assault weapon? Does that mean that if we hurt your feelings, you should consider the Michael Dukes show Assault Radio? <laughs> okay, we can accept that. Here's Michael Dukes. Kind of a dick, but somewhat funny. Kind of a what? I did, did, well, he's right. I mean, he is right. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Uh, all right, welcome back to the program. Uh, hour one continues. Uh, still haven't gotten to my first news story of the day. I have been blathering on today, but I thought I think it's been a good discussion. It's a good introduction to Firearms Friday for people. Uh, Fred is in Rhode Island. Let's get his take. Let's get his opinion. Have I been too rambly today, or has it been a good show? We'll find out. Fred calling in from he listens every week from over on the East Coast. Apparently, there's not a good gun show between here and there. He listens every Friday and calls in to give us his thoughts. Good morning, Fred. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, Mike. You know, you're talking about the, uh, you know, the awakening moments or when people realize that the, the news media is full of it. And, uh, you know, it's all this anti-gun narrative that they, you know, that they, they blather on about in the Hollywood stupidity and all the other, all the other influences on the anti-gun side to try to push that, push this narrative and get right. rid of the guns. And we'll have a much safer and peaceful world, which is right. Uh, all you have to do is look at the look at what's going on. We're just going right? to hold hands and give how, each how, other how, a well, Coca-Cola, right? All right. Well, you know, you you get countries that's been at it for you know civilization's been at it for thousands of years, and nothing's going to change that. It doesn't make a difference whether they have a gun or a knife or a rock or a stick or a bat or anything else. They're going to go at it. Period. You know, that's that tool isn't the problem. However, you know my. Awakening moment to the the load of garbage that the anti-gun you know crowd has been pushing for many many years it was a very long time ago when I was at work and I was down in Philadelphia hanging around uh, during you know during a, a break and uh, had the t had a television on and uh, what was going on down there was uh, two people walked into a convenience store this is back in the back in the 80s at the height of the AIDS epidemic. You know, just to give you a background as to, you know, what the setting as to what was going on. And uh, two, two CD people worked into, walked into a uh, convenience store. One of them walked up to a clerk, grabbed his arm, and pulled out his, his filthy uh, hypodermic needle out of his pocket and said he had AIDS. He had been tested positive for AIDS. And this was his work for drugs that he was taking as to how he probably contracted AIDS. And he's going to stab him unless he emptied his cash register out and his, his partner was right there to receive all the cash. 
And, uh, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me. It's like, you know, it has nothing to do with the gun. Right. It had to do with any tool that they can use to commit, you know, to commit their, uh, their dastardly deed. And it's like, you know, and I think that was an awakening moment for me. Because, you know, this, this is a load of garbage. This is right. a total load of garbage. Well, we, we see that. We, we see that in various now. countries. I mean, even in places where they can't get guns, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, in parts of Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, I mean, they run around with machetes, you know, chopping people up, attacking people, holding people at knife point. Um, you know, I mean, it just when bad people are going to do bad things, and they feel like they have power over others, that's when the worst in some people can come out. It has nothing to do with the tool. It has everything to do with the character and the person wielding that tool. There's got to be an operator at the other end of that of that device, and they're the ones that are to blame. It's not the tool. I mean, in, and you, you point out, it's not just, I mean, I love how they phrased it these days as gun violence, right? That's actually become a phrase, but you don't see knife violence. You don't see car violence. You don't see all these other types of violence, which all encompass violent crime. You don't see those being categorized. They're specifically calling out the firearms um, because they want to vilify it. They want to create that uh, stigma in people's minds. And uh, and I think it's I think it's very dangerous, Fred. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and that's why I said a while ago that they got to have a, a, a counter media, a counter media organization or setup or you know I don't know, I don't know a front as to you know to challenge these clowns on the uh, the uh, media side that are pushing the narrative. And it's not only it's not only firearms; it's a lot of things. It's politics. It's this. It's that. It's you know it's all this nonsense that they come up with. A lot of this insanity on you know on their part that wherever they whatever la la land that they live in. And then they try to push it on, try to push it on all of society. And you know, if you want to try to lead all of all of all of you know the civilized world around with a like a bull with a ring in his nose, you know, this is you know, uh, you know, it's not going to work. You know, and but they, in order to call them out on it every time they open their mouth up and you know they spew they spew nonsense onto the world, someone should be able to take them, you know, call them call them on the spot on it and challenge them on it. And I think they'd be a little more reluctant. To well, you know, be so willing to uh, you know spew spew nonsense, you know, whether it be gun control or whatever, you know, right, whatever, the, right. whatever nonsense. Well, you know, get, you know the global some aspects of the global warming, you know, and get rid of all the cows in the world so you won't have any <laughs> methane, to, to, you know, to poison the atmosphere. That kind of, it, 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 you know, they say this insanity just goes on and on and on, and nobody challenges them on it. Right. Right. And that's the problem. Well, I think the good news is, uh, Fred, is that many people are starting to realize that uh, the news media as a whole is um, is no longer the unbiased reporting that we've all been told that they are. Not that they're, you know, uh, historically, even you look back at it, it, it's never really been unbiased. There's always I mean, you talk about, you know. Hearst, the Hearst Empire, you talk about the newspaper magnets that went on for years, they always had some kind of slant. And maybe it was mostly in the editorial pages, but I guarantee you it made it into the news stories as well. So I think people are starting to understand kind of the fib that, oh, news media is completely unbiased. They're not. They all have an agenda. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, they're all playing into their own personal um, biases and philosophies and everything else, but people are starting to realize, and 
really thank God for the Internet because the Internet has become a bastion of information. You're able to look at the information as a whole and try and find out where the middle ground is. You can listen to both ends of a conversation uh, from one perspective, from a left perspective or a right perspective or a progressive or, a, you know, whatever. And you can you can look at those things and somewhere in the middle, you can figure out where the truth really is. And that's why I'm thankful that people seem to be overall. Uh, starting to really wake up. Not everybody. Many people are still, you know, dependent on that. But I think many people are starting to take everything that's being said in the news with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, the high, high trend they did, and and they just see more of it. You know, more aren't brought out, you know, against the media when they come up with this nonsense. I mean, they have the right to do whatever they whatever they say. The First Amendment guarantees, and I definitely support that. You know, I think everybody would. You know, we're not going to sit there and bias the media. However, they lost their responsibility. I think they have totally lost their entire responsibility in the world to do to to give both sides of the story, all you know, all aspects of the story, not just their particular, you know, juicy points of narrative that they want to push and ignore everything else. You know, that that you know, I think they should be called out on it. And yeah. Right away. Right away. No, uh, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that, Fred. And uh, I appreciate you calling in. I hope everything's going well uh, on your side of the world. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Okay, you have a good week there, Mike. Take you care. bet. You bet. Um, all right. So um, I, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time here with a phone call. I Man, I love Fridays. I love Fridays. Did I mention that? Uh, did I mention that uh, Chris Chang is coming on here this morning as well? I probably forgot to mention that. I got into my rant this morning. Chris Chang will be joining us in hour two. Top Shot Champion Chris Chang will be joining us uh, in hour two. Um, let's go on. I got time for one story here before we run out of daylight, um, and that is the latest out of New Mexico. Now, of course, you'll remember that Michelle Lujan Grisham had banned guns in parts of uh, Albuquerque and, and you know, and everything. I mean, she she's just power drunk, just absolutely insert evil laugh here kind of thing, power drunk. Uh, and she was smacked down by the courts. She was told by her own attorney general that they would not defend her in this. The sheriffs and the law enforcement basically said they would not enforce her law, that they were all unconstitutional. So she stepped back a bit after the court smacked her down and she revised her health, her public health order and banned uh, the open and concealed carry of firearms only now to parks and playgrounds. Now, that's unconstitutional has been found unconstitutional by several courts. But surprisingly, the U.S. District Court Judge David Urias um, decided that uh, that can be enforced in Albuquerque and uh, Bernillo counties. It can be enforced. Um, And uh, so this is, I guess, a, a win, question mark. Uh, or is it a victory that carries with it a bigger problem? Because the police chief in Albuquerque, uh, the Bernillo uh, County Sheriff, and the district attorney all basically said they were going to decline to enforce this law because they don't believe it's constitutional, regardless of what the— And the judge, even though the judge says that it's he believes that it is, he points to the fact that they— they may win on the merits of their case. The people who are fighting back against Grisham's order may actually win on the merits of their case. And he 
he relied on some kind of hanky historical tests for this. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. But the bottom line is, is that this whole emergency order ends on November the 3rd. And so it it may not even this thing may not even be done in court before the order expires. And if she decides to try and renew it, well, um, let's just say she's going to have some issues. It really, you know, it it's going to be interesting to see what's coming. The vast majority of New Mexicans object to her ban. And she's going to have to come back, and it could cost her politically going forward. So we're going to see what happens. But a Pyrrhic victory, maybe, for the governor of New Mexico. All right, out of time. we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay. December 1st. Yes, Jennifer, December 1st. The page that I list, it's got all the info on it. The page that I've just posted up in the chat room for you here just a bit ago, a few minutes ago, eight minutes ago, six minutes ago, uh, whatever it was. It's got all the info on there, and that's where you need to go. Just bookmark that page, and uh, about a week before the auction, it'll start to go live. Um, um, let's see. Seth, Sean says, something is definitely going to happen. He said, I found revolver ammo and cots of you during the Democratic presidency. That never happens. Greg says, the Hearst Empire spawned a terrorist, Patty Hearst. I mean, they're just so many, yeah, so many. You know, I think that's the thing. See, we've been sold kind of this lie. And the lie is that news media has always been unbiased, right? That somehow, and even if people admit today that the news media has show, is showing bias, they're acting like it's a recent thing. I mean, just go back to the whole reefer madness thing, and you know the Hearst, uh, you know Hearst, and and all the uh, who was the other guy? I've, I'm having a senior moment here. Uh, there was the two warring newspaper factions, Hearst and <laughs> I can't remember. That is one. Anyway, they definitely had a bias. They were definitely pushing an agenda. They were definitely doing all these things. See, they act like these changes are all just recent, that up until now, the news media has been pure as the driven snow. And there are good there are good journalists out there who are fairly unbiased. But I think the best ones, the best journalists, are the ones that acknowledge their own biases, talk about them, and yet still try to reach across the aisle to get the counterpoints to the stories that they're writing and things like that. And that just doesn't seem to happen uh, very much. But it's definitely an interesting, it's definitely an interesting scenario and an interesting situation. 
Um, all right, we got another, we got a line on hold here. Um, I may never get to these Israeli news stories. Let's go over here and see uh, who's on the line and what they're calling about. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Bubba calling from North Pole. Hey, Bubba. What? Uh, I'm going to put you on hold, hey. and uh, you're going to be first up in the queue, okay? You got it. Okay, you hold on the line. You'll be number one with a bullet. Number one with a bullet. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Where did that come from? Uh, now I'm curious. Thank God for the internet. Number one with a bullet. Where did it come from? Oh, it's a song. No? Yeah? No? Is it a song? It's a film. It's a film and a song. Um, phrase. There we go. Phrase. Um, it was a song. What, um, the expression means something or something is very, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Okay. It's not as old as I thought it was. Um, origin of the expression originates from the music industry, <clears throat> first appeared in Billboard magazine in the 1960s. Um, meteoric rise, I guess, meteoric rise. Uh, so I guess it's been around for a while. Okay. Thank you, english-grammar-lessons.com, for giving me the answer to that. Um, all right. <clears throat> good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Um, no, no. I have awoken to the lies of the media, the failure of government, and the educational industry. Yes. Yes, you have. Um, if you start, <laughs> Brian, if you start drinking White Claws, you, we may have to take you out to the woodshed. White Claws are okay. They're weird. I mean, I don't know. Some of the seltzers are weird. I do like uh, the... Uh, Alaska Brewing, they've got a they've got a, a spruce tip seltzer that's really good. I do enjoy that. Absolutely delicious. Absolutely delicious. Uh no white claws, but I I will drink a hard seltzer from Alaska Brewing Company. White claws are for elderly retired teen cheerleaders. <laughs> wow, you guys got real judgy real quick around here. You know, you don't have any problem with somebody drinking some Mad Dog 2020. But if you're drinking a White Claw, oh, man. Okay. All right. I'm 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 with you. No, no. That's okay. All right. Um, we are. Yeah, that spruce tip is yummy. Oof, man. So good. Uh, Bubba's on the line. We're going to get to the stories on the uh, Israeli uh, attack and some of the thoughts on that. And we're going to continue. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget to share this show with everybody out there. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Let's do it. Okay.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for fighting. This is for fun. Firearms Friday. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on the Michael Duke Show. Hour two of the big radio broadcast. After the fastest first hour I've had in a while. I mean, I just, I didn't even get to the news stories. That's how fast it is. And I want to do that because Chris Chang, Top Shot champion Chris Chang, is going to be joining us uh, at about 22 after or so. So we need to get to those quick. So I'm going to go to the phones. First things first, because Bubba from Fairbanks is on the line. He was on hold and then I got somebody else after him. So let's go to the phone lines and see what you have to say for this beautiful Firearms Friday. Good morning, Bubba. What's on your mind? Hey, Michael. You know, this is uh, supposedly, supposedly National Jihad Friday is what they're uh, threatening us with. International, okay? yeah. And I can't help but believe if Ronald Reagan at his peak were president of the United States today, he'd have welcomed the Jihad Friday, and then he'd have suspended the uh, carrying firearms on aircraft for the day as well. Um, uh, he suspended the, the lack of being able to carry a firearm on an aircraft and see how well their Jihad Friday would go. You know, that's just my thoughts, you know. Yeah, because I mean, at the time, because you could carry in a because you could carry a, a firearm on an aircraft. Is that what you're saying? Because you could carry a firecraft. Are you there? Because you could carry a firearm on an aircraft at that time. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. As long as it's Jihad Friday. Yeah. You know, we ought to celebrate it with them and say, "Come on, bring it yeah. on." Oh, so but, so know, not okay. Ronald so, Reagan was there. Yeah. So I guess not suspect. What you're saying is allowing, but so the president would say, "Okay, everybody can carry that on an airplane. Bring on the Jihad." Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking Ronald Reagan would have said, yes, for the day. Well, <laughs> that would have been – well, that would make for some interesting flying. I think I'd stay home that day if that was the case, just in case. You just never know at that point. But <laughs> All right, Bubba. Well, hey, I appreciate you. Just- Appreciate your thoughts. Thank you so much for calling in today. I appreciate that. Let's go over here to the next caller. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Larry in North Pole Fairbanks area. Hello, Larry. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I thought I'd throw out uh, information about the upcoming gun shows. Uh, sure. Central Valley Sports Association is having theirs uh, tomorrow and Sunday. 
and um, and then uh, you're going to have yours, uh, the interior, uh, going to show it with in conjunction with the Carlson Center's uh, uh, Winter Expo. Isn't that correct? Yep, that's correct. We're going to have uh, the TVSA show is this weekend, and then next weekend is the Go Winter Expo, and that's where the Interior Alaska Gun Show is off to the side. Yep, I just thought I'd uh, throw that out and let uh, some public know that uh, that may not have heard about it. And with the and, TVSA, uh, I'll let you go. And, the TVSA uh, show, with, uh, some other Larry. The TVSA show is over at the TVSA headquarters there on Airport. Yes, their 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 new uh, shooting range building, uh, catty corner across the street there from uh, Fred Meyer West. Okay, all right. So it'll be there. And when do they open? Ten in the morning, or? Yes. All right. Ten till I think uh, five on on Saturday, and then uh, eleven till five on Sunday. Okay. All right, Larry, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, giving us the heads up on that. Appreciate you being part of it. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thank you, Michael. All right. That clears out that clears out the phone lines for this morning. So let me try and get to the uh, let me try and get to the to the stories. Rajit Singh over at Bearing Arms uh, writes a story about uh, Israel's gun control policies and how they actually worsened the death toll. The militants uh, in the attack uh, from Hamas attacked several rural communities and the city of Sedrat. They massacred more than 250 people at a trance music festival that had a theme, by the way, of peace. That was the theme at the Trance Music Festival, is a theme of peace. It just It's just so insane. Um, the death toll, uh, a death toll stands, uh, you know, well over a couple thousand people, uh, Americans, Germans, Thais, all kinds of international people. There was a bunch of hostages taken. Everything else we know, this is all going on. Israel's uh, reputable intelligence and security apparatus, Mossad, failed to keep their citizens safe. And this does happen from time to time. There is no perfect situation. It happened in the U.S., of course, at 9-11. India had their intelligence apparatus fail to prevent the Mumbai attacks in 2008. Um, But the death toll, according to Singh here, the death toll wouldn't have been so insanely high if not for Israel's gun control policies. And they've got a huge list. A lot of people think of Israel must be, oh, everybody must be armed. But no, they have some super stringent gun control policies. You have to have a license to manufacture. There is no home-built 3D printed guns. There's no building your own firearm. There's no 80% kits. There's none of that stuff. You can't do any of that stuff in Israel. You have a license to possess it. You have to have a license to carry it. There is a good cause requirement, which is one of the things that Bruin just smashed down to the ground was you don't have to show cause to exercise that right here. You have to have a license to buy. You have to have an oper- uh, uh, to operate a gun range to ship guns. They have to register all guns. If your permit expires, you have to surrender your firearm to the police. Mandatory reporting of lost or stolen guns. Okay, that's, you know. 
um, mental and physical health requirements, criminal background checks, training requirements, minimum age requirements, license renewal requirements. But this is the kicker. An annual quota of 50 rounds. That's it. 50 rounds of ammunition. The bottom line is that Israel's gun control looks a lot like New York's or California's gun control before Bruin, except it's much worse. Um, it's just, it's so shocking. At the music festival, where more than 250 people were slaughtered, many of them live on the internet, videos, beheadings, everything else, some people managed to fight back. Some people resisted their attackers, took their guns, and then shot back. They saved their own lives and the lives of many others, but who knows what the death poll could have been if they'd not if they if they'd not been able to fight. What if they had been armed as well and been able to defend themselves? Here's the ironic thing. Tom Knightenden writes in his uh, article he, you know, about how he writes a lot of stuff about guns. And sometimes he writes, he's so prolific, he's forgotten some of the things that he's written. But he was going back through the archive looking for something that he had written before to spark. Anyway, he looked and he came across this weird argument. He came across this weird argument and uh, and was talking about this. This is a story back in September. And he said, if you're a gun owner and haven't actively done everything you can to keep uh, that on the down low, there's a good chance someone has referred to you as some kind of domestic terrorist. People, uh, you know, let's not forget that the NRA was also called a domestic terrorist organization, despite no evidence of an act of terrorism carried out by an NRA member. Yet Hamas is a terrorist organization, according to the State Department. They've been linked to all kinds of terrorist act over years. And guess where they stand on people carrying guns? This is an article, again, remember, from just a month ago. Basically, the issue was a suggestion that the Jewish settlers, there was, a, there was an issue, at issue, the whole thing, the reason he wrote this article back in September, was there was a suggestion that Jewish settlers should carry guns. Hamas put out a press release calling it an incitement to murder and denounced it, apparently arguing that the, uh, the settlers carrying guns could and would create a danger. Think about that for a minute. A month ago, they didn't plan this attack overnight. This plan, this whole attack was going on, has been planned for a long time. And all of a sudden they start talking about, uh, you know, maybe the settlers should be armed to protect themselves. And Hamash told uh, Jewish settlers they really didn't need guns and that saying so was fascist. Just let that sink in for a minute. Just let that sink in. Hamas capitalized on that. They were going to arm the settlers, and Hamas said, oh, no, it would be an incitement to murder. It would be fascist. It's kind of hard not to wonder how many groups that are calling for gun control here in the U.S. have some kind of ulterior motives and designs. I'm not saying that they're terrorist organizations. I'm just saying this is the prime example of that kind of craziness that we've talked about in the past. And finally, for those of you who follow, uh, who are on Instagram um, or uh, YouTube, 
and you don't follow the um, uh, you don't follow the Pew Pew Jew on Instagram, you are missing out. Yehud Remer is his name, and Yehuda Remer, uh, he is the Pew Pew Jew, and he also points out some of the flaws in Israel's uh, in Israel's con- gun control laws. Specifically, he talks about the amount of ammunition. Because remember the other day they said that they're going to change some of the rules so that people can protect themselves more now and do all that. They were going to relax the rules. Well, they relaxed the rules. They raised the ammunition purchase limit from 50 rounds to 100. Now, I don't know how many of you have more than 50 rounds for your pistol or rifle or whatever, but 100 rounds, they... (laughs) You can't even stay proficient with it. I mean, oh, it's so insane. Um, One couple, there's a story being told about one couple that managed to save their children and kill seven Hamas terrorists who were trying to break into their home. They were ultimately killed. Their children survived. But would that outcome had been any different if the parents had more than 100 rounds between them? Because that's they both had a gun. So they both had their their prerequisite 50 rounds. They killed seven terrorists, but they themselves were ultimately killed. They saved their children, but they both died, probably because they ran out of ammo. You can go through 100 rounds pretty damn quick between two people. And uh, he points out that, uh, the Jew points out that this is the problem, that this would have really, really, could have changed the face of what's going on if you had armed citizens in all this. So lessons learned. Lessons being learned from Israel. They don't want you to have guns, folks. Just like Hamas said, oh, no, you don't need to arm those settlers. They don't need it. You're a fascist if you call for that. It's an incitement to murder. And three and a half weeks later, they come through and kill everyone. What they want is unarmed, disarmed, unarmed victims. That's what they want. And the they in this case could be anybody that's looking to take your gun rights. Maybe they don't have the same motivations as Hamas or Hezbollah, but that is the lesson that we need to learn. People with ARs don't get into cattle cars. That's one of the t-shirts that the Pew Pew Jew wears all the time. It makes total sense. We'll be back with more of The Michael Duke Show. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay. I got a little long-winded there on that one. Got a little long-winded. Oh, hey, Chris is in the uh, green room. Um, There we go. Um, Just real quick looking through the... um, The Trance Music Festival was about peace in a gun-free zone. Well, I can only assume. They always, don't you? They run you for the ringer on, on those concerts these days. You can't take a pen knife into a concert. 
you know, a Zippo lighter. You can't take, you know, they'd be lucky they don't give you the anal cavity search on the way into a concert these days. It's insane. I don't go to concerts for that exact reason. I don't need, I mean, that's just like, I don't need to be feel like I'm a criminal just to go to a concert. I'll watch it on my TV. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Well, I'll try and get through some of these other comments, but uh, we got Chris Chang on the line, man. We can't make this guy wait. He is important. He's important people. Let's go over here. See what he's doing. Man. Hey, good morning. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing great. Thanks doing so much. Good, good doing, morning. Doing good. I was going to say you've you've moved to a new place, and then I realized it's a green screen. But I I would like to live there. I've I've seen this. No, it's not a green screen. Yeah, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. a green screen at all. I I have seen this. I've seen we this. Just have the same living room as you know lots of other people. Yeah, exactly. There's 5,300 <laughs> people that have exact. But I you know what I was thinking of this the other day because somebody else had this background, and I thought. Man, I could live there. That's a nice looking place. Look at that yeah. fireplace. It's got the library in the background for my wife. I mean, I think that's some good stuff. Uh, <clears throat> hey, technology, baby. You, I sometimes we're one step. We're just one step closer to the matrix. Exactly. That's all that's happening here. Plug me in, baby. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Why? Oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? You know. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Chris, um, I don't know what you'd like to talk about today. We've been talking about the the situation with Israel. We finally got around to it. It was. Man, I had diarrhea of the mouth this morning. I was just going on and on about just firearms in general in hour one. But uh, so we could talk a little bit about Israel. We're just talking about some of the stories that came out. The fact that Israelis were restricted to 50 rounds a year. That's all they can buy. 50 rounds. Yeah, that's absolutely wild. The man and the woman who defended their family got their children hidden and safe, killed seven Hamas terrorists. And then they themselves were killed, probably because they ran out of seven, hundred rounds, seven people. That's you're probably out of ammo by that time. You know what I mean? And uh, and that's just that's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking when we see yeah, what's going on. And so, absolutely tragic, and to and you know to see all of these gun control measures in Israel having this negative impact on the population. Is um, you know this is this is the nightmare that you know we need to avoid here, and um, you know clearly the Israeli government has uh, you know done an about face on a lot of their gun control laws, and they have uh, reversed um, either temporarily or you know permanently some of the gun control laws that they had on the books to enable regular citizens to um, you know purchase weapons and acquire weapons and ammo faster so they can help right. protect themselves and their and their neighborhoods well, that's what uh, that's what Yuta Remmer was talking uh Remmer was talking about the Pew Pew Jew is that they did they did change some of the laws but not that much they basically doubled uh, okay now you can't have 50 now you can have a hundred you know now you can you can get your firearms back if it's if you if your license is expired you can go back and get it and get your I mean it's it's little baby steps now I'm not complaining because any step in the right direction is a step in the right direction but uh you know when are they going to learn that an armed populace in this situation would make a huge difference you know that yeah. they being able to defend yourself is uh is an important point all right we're um we're about 20 seconds out, so or uh, 30 seconds out. So one other thing we could talk about is the new uh, Senator Butler from California who from took, Georgia. Uh, Senator yeah. Fein's, from Georgia. Who took Senator Feinstein's place, so yeah. uh, that could be another topic. She's, well. No, she's the new Senator from Georgia for California. What? 
what maryland maryland that's what it was maryland yeah 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 so i saw that and i was like what what californian thought that's a good wait you couldn't find in all the millions of people in california you couldn't find a person to yes we will definitely talk about that all right well here we go we're jumping back into it the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio like and share like and follow Yes, my grandfather was a gold miner. Somebody just said that in the chat room on Twitch. Here we go. Jumping back in. Let's do it. What the hell is an assault weapon? You know, if we could just figure out how to get all of the murder guns and the attack guns and not keep selling those to people and just sell protection guns, I think that would be great and solve a lot of problems. Does this mean that if we hurt your feelings, you'd consider the Michael Dukes show assault radio? (laughs) Okay, we can live with that. Here's Michael Dukes. I watch Chris's head explode every time I play that. Man, I play every that. month I come on. I can't get enough of that. <laughs> I play that just for you, man. I play that just for you. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, Season 4 of the show Top Shot on the History Channel, author of the book uh, Shoot to Win. You can find him at topshotchris.com, also a spokesperson for the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. He joins us every month to talk about some of the hottest news and what's going on and everything else. Of course, uh, we've only got about 10 minutes, so we're going to start off with Israel. Uh, We were just talking during the break about how tragic it was that Israelis were only allowed 50 rounds a year. Uh, but now they've loosened the laws, so now it's 100 rounds a year. But again, we're talking, telling the story about the two parents who were able to hide their children, their six or seven children, and then uh, defend the family, killed seven terrorists, but they themselves then both died. Children survived, but they themselves both died. Uh, and I can only imagine, because if you kill seven terrorists, there's only 100 rounds between the two of you. It, you know, it's it's not it's not hard to believe that uh, they could be out of ammo. So I think it's not enough. And some people are saying, including the Pew Pew Jew, it's too little too late. What are your thoughts on some of the possibilities that could have been avoided in this latest tragedy? Yeah, seeing what's happening in Israel is just been extremely tragic. And, you know, I've been following the news throughout the week and you know, it definitely sympathize with a lot of my Jewish friends. And, you know, it, it definitely highlights this 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 focus that gun control is not helpful and and in fact gun control is deadly as we've seen in a number of of cases and and anecdotes that we've been hearing throughout the week you know the the israeli military was clearly caught off guard and i know that the israeli government's going to be looking into the intelligence failures and you know, not only how come how could they not have detected a, a large scale attack of this and of this nature, but how come their defenses also failed? You know, once it started happening, and you know, I think it's hard for a lot of Americans to imagine your neighborhood coming under siege by a foreign terrorist organization. But let's not forget nine eleven, right? Twenty right. some right. years ago, yep. this exact thing happened right a foreign terrorist organization came and attacked america yep and you know i hate to say it but you know it's just a matter of if and when you know when right the next it's not an if terrorist attack you're 100 right it's an if because it's 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 going to happen but so right to bring it back to israel right i just empathize so much around how frightening this must have been for regular civilians 
who were especially near the Gaza border, right, who were getting attacked by these terrorists, right? Just imagine you're just you're in your home and then all of a sudden you're getting messages from neighbors saying, right, we've got Hamas terrorists, you know, a guy with, you know, with all in military garb and 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 weapons and they're killing people. I mean, that is terrifying. And then especially if you don't have any weapons to defend yourself, right? And especially if the Israeli government had restricted your ability to acquire said you know, firearms and ammunition and, you know, permits and this and this and this and that, all the bureaucratic, you know, nonsense that the Israeli government put in the way of, in the form of gun control. Yeah. You know, if, if I were an Israeli who, you know, wanted to defend myself with a firearm, but can't, uh, you know, or at least couldn't before, but, you know, it's a little bit easier now at least, but, you know, the, this is a big day of reckoning for the Israeli government, for the Israelis themselves, and to really question whether the gun control measures that they've had in place ha have had any positive impact at all. And clearly, at least in my mind, no, they have not. The gun control, right. again, gun control has been very deadly in Israel. Well, and especially given the fact that just a month ago, there was an issue and a suggestion that Jewish settlers should carry guns. And Hamas put out a press release calling it an incitement to murder. And they said Jewish settlers didn't really need guns and that saying that they did was fascist. That was three weeks ago. Right before they came yeah. in and killed all these people. That's the that's the point. And what are we hearing in today? Oh, you guys don't really need guns. Now, again, I'm not saying that gun controllers in this country are Hamas, but it's the same kind of, uh, you know, it's the same kind of play out of the same kind of playbook. What do they really mean? What are they really thinking when they're saying, oh, we don't really need that? Maybe it's a control issue. Maybe it's something else. But it is tragic. How many people, especially 9-11 was a major attack, you know, utilizing planes and things like that. So people, armed people probably wouldn't have stopped much unless they'd been on the plane, so to speak. But any kind of over the ground, this was an all out ground assault into Israel. And it could have been house to house fighting if those people had been able to defend themselves. The stories of the story of the of the concert goer where they attacked the concert and some of the concert goers bravely charged Hamas, who had guns, were able to attack them, strip their firearms from them and fight back. That's I mean, that's amazing stories. And if they'd just been able to do that from the beginning without having to run at the, you know, dis run unarmed into the line of fire to do it maybe a different story yeah i mean just especially that that music festival attack reading and, and you know the details seeing some of the video footage coming out is it was just heart-wrenching i mean how terrifying you know must have been for those you know those concert goers to be having a great time and then all of a sudden they are literally fighting for their lives and you know having to you know hide out in the fields waiting for the idf to come to come save them. And, you know, thankfully for a lot of those concert goers, they were saved, but right. Unfortunately for others, right. That, that wasn't the case. Yeah. And, you know, if, uh, you know, it's, we can't wrap yeah, our brain around thing's... it because it's evil, right? I mean, we can't yeah, understand evil it, at that level. It's just pure evil. And, you know, it's, it's just literally for, for me, it comes down to this very simple truth that, if somebody is coming at you with deadly force, you've got to either get out. And if you can't get out, you've got to come at them with equal or overwhelming deadly force, right? There, there's just, there, there's just no other way around. And I mean, right, talking about people getting killed is obviously such a very uncomfortable topic. 
But look, like if you're ever put in that situation where it's you or somebody else, right? I hope that everybody would you would choose you, right? Yeah. If you are being attacked, yeah, you should be choosing your own life, and, you, and, yeah. and that choice, right? And that choice involves defending yourself with by any means possible, whether it's a firearm, your fists, right. you know, uh, anything you can. But obviously, a firearm is um, a, a, a great tool, right, to have at your disposal to increase the chances that you survive that engagement. You only have three choices in these situations. Run, hide, fight. That's mm -hmm. it. That's it. Run, hide, fight. And hide is not necessarily a good one either because then you're kind of just giving up and hoping that the whim of luck keeps you. If you can run away, that's one thing. But fighting, I mean, it's you got to be able to have a way to fight in those kind of you don't want that unequal circumstance of you being unarmed and four assailants that are armed with AKs. I mean, that's a lessons learned, my friends. Lessons learned. All right, uh California. Uh you guys got yourself a new senator from from, <laughs> yeah. from Maryland. Of all the millions of people in California, apparently Newsom couldn't find one good person in California to uh be the new Congress critter, huh? Yeah, yeah, he had to search all the way across the country and pluck someone from the great state of Maryland, which we know has a terrible reputation for, for gun rights. So, you know, with the uh, unfortunate passing of Senator Feinstein, our, our Governor Newsom here had the um, the right to appoint uh, what's he, what he's calling a caretaker senator, you know, for the last uh, few months here of uh, Senator Feinstein's term. Now, Senator Butler, who is the new senator from California, she she's a gun control advocate as well. You know, she's squarely right. in the gun control camp. Now, I think, you know, what is um, still to be seen is whether she's going to have any nominal impact like Senator Feinstein did on, on the gun control agenda. Um, my guess is probably not. However, we're here in California, we're clearly going to be closely watching Senator Butler. She's clearly going to vote in favor of all the existing gun control proposals. But, you know, she she's an unknown quantity for a lot of Californians. Right. She, she has been very involved at the grassroots level as a union organizer. Um, she's been a UC regent. She's been uh, very involved, uh, again, at the grassroots level, but she has I would say zero statewide right. media presence, right? Your average Californian will have no idea, right, who she is. And so, you know, myself included, it's like I, I've never heard of her. Yeah. I've never really seen totally a what total, she's about. Yeah, total unknown. And, of course, I mean, the good news is at least we're not adding to it. We're replacing one gun, gun control person with another, so it still remains fairly equal. We'll have to pick this up in the break. Chris Chang, Top Shot champion. Thanks a lot. Hold the line for a second. Folks, we got more coming up. Willie Waffle, dead ahead, the Michael Duke Show. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Chris Chang. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I want you to finish your thought on this because you're right. She is a complete unknown to the people in California. I mean, I can't believe that the governor... You know, again, with all the millions of people and political allies and everything else in California, he couldn't find one. Maybe this is part of it. He wanted to bring a relative unknown to California politics into the mix 
to do it. Uh, yeah, there, uh, there so was weird. some very weird dynamics that the governor, I would say that the governor self-imposed on himself, uh, and I, I think un, unnecessarily. So basically, about a year ago or so, he announced that he his intention was to replace Senator Feinstein with an African-American female. And honestly, there was, I think, no reason to really pigeonhole himself in that corner. Um, that caused a lot of waves and controversy within the Democratic Party. The other piece here is um, he wanted to appoint a caretaker senator, meaning someone who did not have the intention of running for election to fill a full six-year term. So that was another weird self-imposed thing that Governor Newsom did. Right. And, and so right that that part really narrowed his options because you know there were th there were three Democrats who uh, are currently running for the open seat. Um, all of them wanted Governor Newsom to appoint them right. to, to be senator, right? So that would help their chances of getting elected, you know, to a full term, right? So uh, none of these three um, kind of high-profile Democrats got nominated, and they didn't get selected by Governor Newsom. So you know, but but of course. Senator Butler didn't have to sign any kind of pledge. That's what I was just going to ask. I mean, right? he says that, but <laughs> is she as she guaranteed that she's not going to run? I mean, is this no, like yeah? So there's no guarantee. Yeah, so yeah. there's no guarantee that she's not going to run. And, and so again, you know, Governor Newsom, I think, actually shot himself in the foot not once but twice here with these again self-imposed rules that he put on himself. Put on himself. Um, you know, if 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 I were him, I would have appointed someone who would have had a very good chance of winning right the election uh you know next year instead of appointing a, a nobody caretaker but again you know as we've been talking about um each month you know governor newsom is planning to run for president right he's planning yeah. to run for yep. president and i think the political calculus here is he does not want to upset the democratic establishment right he wants to keep in the good graces with the Democratic Party, with you know all of his high-profile Democrat colleagues, and you know his decision, I think, was intended to not upset any of these long-term Democrats. Um, but I think he, I think he, you know, he didn't do himself any favors. I think he's probably upset more of them, in particular, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee from Oakland here. Uh, she's an African-American female. Um, you know, sh she, a lot of people thought she was going to be the chosen one. And when she wasn't the chosen one, a lot of her supporters got really upset at Newsom. I mean, you know, right. almost, uh, uh, you know, treacherously so for Governor Newsom, wow. Wow. But, you know, it's politics. Uh, Congresswoman Lee, she's going to need to you know, lick her wounds, swallow her pride and, you know, just pony up and get ready for a political fight, just like she always has. So, right. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the next year when the election comes around. But yeah, Governor Newsom and uh, this new Senator Butler. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of status quo, right? Gun control in California <laughs> right, right. is, uh, I think, here to stay. But yeah, with Senator Butler, I, I, my sense is she's not going to champion gun control. Right. I don't think Senator Feinstein made gun control one of her primary objectives right. to define her entire career in the United States Senate. I don't get the sense that Senator Butler is uh, going to do the same. But again, it's early days. She's an unknown quantity. And who knows? Maybe well, she'll decide to, to touch the third rail here and make gun control 
uh, a central focus for her for her administration. Well, and even with all the power and the seniority and the institutional knowledge that Feinstein had, she was fairly in the long run, fairly ineffective on her gun control policies. I mean, she did get the assault weapons ban, which then sunsetted and that went off into the. So she was not really. And, and this gal is obviously not going to have the same horsepower that Feinstein had. So I think uh, we'll keep an eye on it, but I'm not as worried as uh, I think some people have made it out to be. Um, because, again, you're just changing one gun gu- gun grabber for another. And this one will be less effective. I think it's a yep, win exactly. in that regard. Uh, last 60 seconds, Chris, what else are you working on? Anything else you want folks to know about before I let you go? Well, uh, I'm uh, in- embarking on uh, a very fun journey of starting my second book. And uh, I'll have more details to share in the months to come. But uh, the focus is going to be uh, Asian American accomplishments in U.S. military history. And uh, probably going to be starting here with World War II. And, you know, obviously World War II, I mean, you know, that's where the greatest generation came from. And yeah. I'm really excited to dive in and oh, share I can't more wait. with your listeners put, later. Put me on your ARC reader list if you want. I'll, I'll be a pre-reader for you. I'd love to I'd love to take a look at it. Awesome. All right. Chris Chang, Top Shot champion, season uh, four of Top Shot. Thank you, my friend. It's good to talk with you. Have a great uh, weekend, okay? You too. Thanks as always. Thanks so much. All right, folks, that's it. We're coming up to it. We got more. The Michael Duke Show, Willie Waffle up next. Let's do this thing. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for coming on board. Uh, Friday edition, the Michael Duke Show. Do I sound excited? I'm uh, so excited. It's Friday. I can't wait for this to be here. Uh, speaking of excitement, Willie Waffle. There's a guy that just you can't keep down. You can't keep a good man down. And here he is. Hello, my friend. What's happening? How are you not excited for Friday? Hi. Friday is the greatest day of the week because you got the whole weekend ahead of you. Have I ever told you Friday night is my favorite night of the entire week? Because, you know, I'm done with work. I'm hanging out. I got the whole weekend in front of me. I don't really care if I stay up late because, hey, I can sleep in tomorrow. It's Saturday. You like to party? Is that yeah. what you're saying? I like to party. Friday nights is my night well, to party. I don't know if it's no yeah. so much I like to party or I like to watch uh, late night television. And, oh. uh, you know, and, you know, I, I, you know, you know, live on patrol is on Friday nights from nine until midnight. Oh, and that, that's okay. some, that is some TV watching. What is baby. that like? Is that like, cop- <laughs> is that like cops or something or what is it? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's exactly okay. what it's like. You know, they, they're, they're live and on their patrol with these various uh, police forces around the country and, and you see things unfolding in front of them and you just can't believe that. Oh, my God, America is falling apart at the seams. <laughs> it's like a train wreck. You just can't look away. Speak- you can't look away because yeah. people are just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of train wrecks and crazy people, let's talk about Amber Heard and Aquaman 2. <laughs> um, I just yeah. look, I just saw the trailer for this the other day with Terry and we watched it. And I looked at her and said, did you see the 0.25 seconds that they showed Amber Heard right in the middle of that thing? That was it. I mean, that was all you saw of her in this huge trailer with Nicole Kidman and Jason Momoa and 
all the other actors that are in there, you saw Amber Heard for 0.25 seconds. It was like a flicker. And that was it. And uh, because, I mean, I'm surprised she's even back. Give me the rundown here. Well, I, you know, frankly, let's be honest, that that 0.25 seconds was probably an accident. <laughs> you know, like nobody picked up on it. Yeah. Um, no, it tur- it turns out that uh, things between Amber Heard and Warner Brothers and everybody with the Aquaman movie has been a disaster. And uh, it's so bad. And this is what really gets me. It's so bad. Variety is running a story about this. So, you know, what they found out is that, you know, that they, they went out there and they started digging out, digging up the dirt, but, you know, about everything that's been going on uh, during, during uh, the whole Aquaman saga. See, during the big Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial, they subpoenaed her therapist's notes about sessions that they had. Right. And these are now public record and a whole bunch of Johnny Depp fans paid the money to get them, you know, copied and out into the public and variety grabbed and went, there's some juicy stuff in here. For example, Oh man, where do I even start? How about the day that uh, Jason Momoa allegedly showed up on the set drunk and dressed like Johnny Depp <laughs> to antagonize her. This is awesome. I mean, does it, this is allegedly, I mean, did it really happen? I mean, allegedly. who knows? Who knows? Allegedly. The, his, his PR people's response was, hey, he is always thoroughly professional. He might enjoy a beer here or there, but he wasn't drunk. And hey, he kind of dresses like Johnny Depp anyways. Right, right. Well, it's true. It is kind of true. They, <laughs> yeah. they have a very similar style, you know. Uh, nope, she, yep. she claims that he tried to have her fired from the set. I mean, I yep, mean, tried yeah. to have her fired. You know, basically said she's got to go. We have bad chemistry. She's dragging down the movie. The director, James Wan, he was right. He was right there with Momoa and everybody else. He wanted her out. They were they were worried about a lot of things. And, and a lot of it had to do with just all this simmering, uh, you know, paparazzi story about what's going on between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And, uh, you know, James Wan allegedly ordered her not to post anything on social media about the movie, allegedly told everyone on the set, don't take pictures with Amber Heard. Don't put them out there. Don't let anybody know she's in this movie. And when they really put the hard push on to fire her, this is my favorite part. Her former boyfriend, Elon Musk, stepped in and he had his high powered lawyers send a letter to Warner Brothers threatening that he's going to burn their house down if they fire her. And I think that means uh, I'm going to uncover all the nasty things that we all know about you and uh, I'm going to hurt you. Oh, God. Well, I mean, this I think is, quite honest. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm mean, after watching the whole because my wife was fascinated with the whole court case. So I saw a lot more of it than I ever would have watched normally. Um, she's a bundle of madness. I mean, that chick is she's I mean, Johnny Johnny's weird. Don't get me wrong, but she is. Wow. I don't think she's ever going to. I mean, the only reason she's still in this movie is because she was contractually obligated for this movie. I don't think you'll be seeing her on the big screen anytime in the near future. Oh, no, no. And matter of fact, you know, the 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 the, uh, the stories that have been coming out in addition to this are that they're trying in every way to cut every scene they possibly can of her in this movie. They want to reduce her down to the smallest role possible um, so that it doesn't destroy the movie. A, you know, because her character is kind of important. There's going to be something that happens that's going to be kind of a big deal. And, um, you know, they're trying to figure out how they can get around acknowledging her and still having the storyline move forward right 
So that's going to be kind of the hard part. Uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, like you said, she was contractually obligated to be in the movie and her boyfriend was going to throttle Warner Brothers if they cut her out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Again, she's full of crazy. She is full of crazy. Oh, uh, they're both. I mean, that was that was just toxic relationship one on one with yeah, those two. Yeah, oh, my exactly. God. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to other mean girls. How about the mean girls? Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Seyfried, and Ch- uh, Lacey Chabert. Um, are they back? Are they back together? What's going on? They are back together. So, you know, uh, last weekend they were seen all over Los Angeles filming what has been reported to be a Pepsi commercial. And I'm thinking it's going to be a Super Bowl commercial. And why am I thinking that? Because they were seen riding around in a convertible, but also on a football field. Well, Pepsi always likes to do a big commercial for the Super Bowl. Right. And what would be bigger? Than, I mean, this is a kind of a big deal. Reuniting three of the four mean girls. Uh, you know, people who had pictures of this and who had seen this um, reported that there were lots of allusions to the mean girls movie. Uh, matter of fact, one of them had like uh, a, a purse that had their tagline on Wednesdays. We wear pink, uh, you know, so this is happening. And uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a big Super Bowl commercial for Pepsi millions of dollars to produce millions of dollars to air then it goes in the bucket and i watch it on youtube later because who watches the super bowl uh anyway i I know i know it's anti-american to be so anti-sports but i could really it's all right i just don't even care um yeah but this is just Pepsi cashing in on the Mean Girls phenomenon. I mean, you know, they, they've they been on a roll. Uh, you know, they're, they're, the musical was a big hit on Broadway. It's now touring America. Uh, you're going to have a movie of the musical that was originally just supposed to be on Paramount+. Plus, and, and they started doing the numbers. They realized this thing's going to be successful enough. It's hitting theaters in January. Oh, wow. Oh, January, when we start thinking about the Super Bowl and stuff. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Crossover, crossover. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. One last thing. Uh, the Crow. Uh, not the movie, but the the episodic television show on Netflix. Um, apparently. The Crown. The, I mean, sorry. The, the Crown. Crown. I'm sorry. I, I said Crow. I meant Crown. The Crown. Uh, it's going to be split. I hate this. I hate this so much. It's going to be split. Go ahead. Yeah, Netflix, you know, normally likes to drop everything in one fell swoop like they did this week with the fall of the House of Usher. But there are certain things that they kind of split up to make you get a couple of months of subscriptions. And uh, that's what they're going to do with The Crown. So, yes, Netflix is breaking up their final season into two parts. The first one's going to debut on November 16th. They're going to have four episodes dropping on the 16th. Then the second part will debut a month later on December 14th when you'll get to see the final six episodes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I I mean, I know what that means. (laughs) I know what that means for you. Yeah. On December 15th, you're going to be sitting down and watching all 10. Yeah, right. Well, my <laughs> wife will. This is one of her, She loves this show. I've never seen it, but she okay, loves good. it. She'll, she'll be watching. I still remember when they broke the final season of Lucifer up, but they broke it up into two parts, and it was like 10 months apart or something, and I was just Ooh. like, I hate all of you people. Anyway, uh, it is what it is. Um, all right, let's move on to the streams and the movies. Painkiller, the Tylenol Murders documentary. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the big movie out this week, obviously, is the Taylor Swift concert uh, concert movie. Right. It's going to be playing in theaters. But that means there's all sorts of really cool things to check out on streaming. 
So, yeah, Painkiller, the Tylenol Murders. This is a Paramount Plus kind of mini series. It's five episodes. It's a documentary. And it's all about the 1982 Tylenol poisoning. And, and you know, for people who didn't live through it, this was one of the big stories. This was one of the massive stories right. that, you know, just, just a little bit before, about a month before Halloween, uh, you know, people around uh, the Chicago suburbs had purchased Tylenol that was poisoned. And, and, you know, I think it was seven, eight people died horribly, right, horribly right. died in, in about a week's time. And it became one of the biggest manhunts that we've ever seen, uh, you know, as, as we kind of, they tried to find who's the, who's the madman who did this, who, who would do it? You know, was it an inside job? Was it somebody who broke into the packaging at the stores? And, and it changed the packaging that we have on all of our medicines today. Uh, you know, this, this is why, you know, like I talked to young people about this and, uh, you know, there wasn't a safety seal back then. Right, right. The boxes were just folded closed. You could open it up. You could open the bottle. You could count the pills. Right there in the store, you right. can touch them. Yeah, and that's why this happened. Yeah, you know, and so you know, it, it goes into a lot of that. It goes into the the lives of the of the people who who unfortunately uh, lost their lives. But it does focus in on kind of the main suspect. And and, and you know, I don't want to give it away too much, Bio, but this did happen like forty one years ago. They never caught the person who did. Yeah, I remember. And, I remember and, this whole thing. Yeah. I remember this whole thing. I was just yep. getting into high school, and I remember this whole thing going down. And I was like, "Wow, um, yeah." People were spooked. They were pulling Tylenol off the shelves across the country, and yep. it was just—it was crazy. All right, negative one to it, four waffles on uh, painkiller. What do you think? Yeah, I'm at like three. I think the first four episodes are really solid. The fifth episode felt like they just kind of put it together because they wanted a fifth episode. Uh, but they do go a great deal into the person who the FBI, they won't say it, but they're convinced this is the guy who did it. They just couldn't get him. And he's yeah. been under uh, surveillance the, for the remainder of his natural life. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and they go into that a lot in the fourth the fourth episode is interesting really, really interesting interesting yeah. all right well we heard fraser was coming back um i've watched a few episodes of fraser it was never i mean it was funny but sitcoms are not my thing so uh but it, it, they're rebooting it they brought it back it's not a reboot it's i guess it's a sequel or whatever uh give me the rundown yeah, I mean, it's, it's a continuation of Frazier and his story, and, and we are now kind of catching up years later after, after everything that happened with the radio station. It turns out it's the kind of the week after Frazier's dad dies. And That's so it. he's traveling. He's traveling. He's, he's in Boston to see his kid, and uh, he starts to realize that he wants a better relationship with his, with his son. So he's going to stay in Boston and he's going to work on that relationship, whether his son likes it or not. And uh, you know, it really is a traditional sitcom. I mean, it, it, it feels like a relic in a lot of ways. I mean, it just is not made like modern sitcoms are, you know, it's not really that one camera style. It's not confessional to the screen. It really is a you know, three camera style, you know, set them up, throw the punchline, everybody laugh and we move on kind of sitcom. And, and, you know, Kelsey Grammer is, is still very good as Frazier. I mean, this guy created the, one of the best television characters ever. Right. right. And, and he knows, he knows how to play him. He knows how to make it happen. And he makes it endearing enough to want to, you know, kind of keep, uh, keep watching and see what's going to happen. Especially since, you know, he's starting to realize 
I need to do a better job as a father. And I think that that's something a lot of people will relate to. You know, it's solid. I'm at like two and a half waffles. I mean, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, sit down and binge every episode I possibly can. Uh, but, you know, I'll probably see them all in some fashion. Right. You'll, you'll fill in. Meanwhile, speaking of binging, we got about just under two minutes here. The latest Michael Flanagan joint. The Fall oh, yeah. of the House of Usher. Oh, baby, I can't wait. I know it just came out last night. Have you snuck in an episode or two? Give me a rundown here. Oh, yeah, you know I have. Okay, yeah, so this is on Netflix, right? And and every episode is named after a uh, Edgar Allan Poe story because, you know, The Fall of the House of Usher is one of his stories as well. And it, 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 is, a, it, is, it is a tale of a famous pharmaceutical company, one that rose to great prominence and wealth through lies, fraud, distortion. Sound familiar? Yeah, it oh, probably yeah. does. And uh, what has happened is they're on trial for their lives and for their for their company. And while this is happening, every single member of the family dies in a two-week span. <laughs> and so the entire series is looking back at the history of the company, the history of the family, but more importantly, what happened in those two weeks, and why oh, did okay. it happen? All right, yep. negative, yep. Wait, negative one to four waffles. Give it to me quick. I'm at three and a half right now. Oh, I'm, I'm I really can't wait. enjoying this. All right. Yep. Well, folks, we're out of time. Monday's another day. I got to go, unfortunately. We will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Well, I could have cut. We could have cut some of the other stories out because I wish the radio. Yeah. But you know what? That's fine. Uh, we got the folks who yeah. are still with us here right now. Um, this, I mean, Michael Flanagan does such an ama- he's an amazing storyteller, and yeah. he does such a great job of building up the suspense and everything else. Um, it's just amazing to watch. I didn't know what the premise of this was, but this sounds super interesting. So go. You can give me a little bit of a longer yeah. description. Yeah. Oh, I love here. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really like it. it, It's part mystery. It's part supernatural. Right. You know, the mystery that they're laying out that, you know, how do I I I don't want to give away too much, but something happens during the trial that that's that's critical. And so the mystery is, well, how did this happen? Where did this come from? Who's responsible? So you've got that mystery playing along. Then you've got the supernatural as you see the things that have been happening to this family over the years and uh, figures that appear uh, in in different stories and different time periods and different eras that shouldn't be appearing in all of those places. And why are they? And and what is really happening to our main character, uh, played by Bruce Bruce Greenwood, who's been you know the patriarch of this family? Uh, he and his sister, you know, made it famous, made it rich, made it successful, and uh, he is going through something that makes you question: How in touch with reality is he, or is he more in touch than you could ever believe because of the events that are occurring in front of him? Oh man, this stuff is so crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. You know. <laughs> With with Hill House, you know, he played around in the the Flanagan kind of played around with time and everything else, and and when you when it pays mm-hmm. off at the end, you're like, what the actual 
I mean, just like, wow, your mind is blown. And then with Bly Manor, there were some different things that happened there. I mean, he's always got something at the end. You're just like blown away um, by it. And so I am so my, you know, Terry is so looking forward to this. Uh, We both actually love Michael Flanagan as a director. So this should be, you know, this and, you know, and if you haven't, folks listening, haven't watched any of his stuff, you should go watch Midnight Mass, um, The House of Haunted uh, Excuse me, the house on Haunted Hill and Bly Manor. Those, yep, the haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah, yep, those are three great ones. Uh, he's got a bunch of other movies too, but those are his three latest. And this just sounds amazing. And of course, he's using a lot of the same cast, right? Yeah, I mean, basically, he has his own like group of actors that that star in all the different series, and uh, you know, they just play different roles. Yeah, and uh, and that's kind of the fun part. I mean, you know, we we've got a little bit more star power in this one now. Uh, you know, Bruce Greenwood is in here. Uh, you know, Mark Hamill is in here, right? Uh, playing a vital role. Uh, but you know, and and I think that's the fun part for you know, like I think people like you and me, you know, we've watched all these and we've loved them and we've loved the cast and it's. It's quite amazing how each one of them plays such wildly different characters from story to story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a great example in here, Kate Siegel, uh, who actually is Mike Flanagan's wife. Right. Um, you know, p- plays one of the daughters of this family, uh, the the PR Maven, and she's so completely different than you've ever seen her in any of the other series, and she's fantastic and funny and, and it's it's great to watch and so you you get these great acting performances that go along with just cool storytelling yeah no and i love that i love the fact and it, it seems like more people ryan what's his face from american horror stories doing the same thing he's got like a set yeah. group of actors yep. flanagan does it a couple other people have kind of done that thing where they just change the story new stories same players and it kind of harkens back to the old days of the playhouse where the same actors would go in and do different you know uh but i really when you find actors that are good and all of his actors are amazing yeah um you're like yeah. you're just blown away you're blown away by it and uh and i can't i can't wait i can't wait to watch it we might binge watch it this weekend we'll have to see uh how to, so three and a half waffles for the fall yeah of the house of usher mm. all right a retelling of an old story we love it we love it we love it we want to hear what what happens with it all right next week what's coming up willie next week we were talking about killers of the flower moon martin scorsese and his group of actors are doing another movie <laughs> okay great well and by then we probably will have some numbers on the tail I'm, I'm in i don't care i could care less about taylor swift but i am interested to see what kind of phenomenon she is at the box office we'll have some numbers that should be interesting as well um it'll our, be massive it'll it'll be massive all right my friend well mm-hmm. i will uh talk to you next week then thanks so much see you next week folks uh, we're done. We're done. Gotta go. Uh, I got stuff to do. It's, I know, I got stuff to do. Uh, hopefully it doesn't snow and freeze and stay this weekend. That's all I'm, that's all I'm praying for right now. Pray with me now. No, st- no sticking snow. That's all I want. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Be kind, love one another, live well.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 